Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. Today's message is entitled, Keep My Commandments, and that is a quote from God, right? So um, this is a sermon that I actually thought that I was going to be giving to my youth because I created this um, August 7th, like back then, and God actually didn't release me to teach it until today. So I give glory to him, um, and I'm excited to be able to depart this word to you guys. So um, again, this is a prophetic word from the Lord, and he spoke directly to me. He said, Keep My Commandments. But but before I can go deeper into what this exactly means, I have to go back and give you guys a brief recap from the last time I taught, which was in January, where I taught um, the sermon, Go, Grow, and Glow, where I gave you guys that 2018 is the year of discipleship. So who has been going to discipleship training? Raise your hand. And I know the truth because I be there sometimes. <laughs> And God has really been blowing my mind. I thank you, Elder Nade. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you to all the teachers who have led us um, because I thought that we, I don't know, I guess because when God gave me the sermon that 2018 is the year of discipleship. Oh, Dr. Jennifer, you too, girl. Woohoo, could you teach it? <laughs> um, but when God gave me the word last year that 2018 is the year of discipleship, I just thought that all oh, that means that we're about to be going hard and winning souls for Christ like even more but attending the the training is more than just, like you got to be whole and you have to be healed and you have to have that relationship before you can go out and even be a vessel to be used by God and Elder Nate talking about how we can get our husbands released and everything finances um but nevertheless like I think that all of it is about just like being whole right and about receiving what God has in store for you and being built up and trained so that you can go out and train others and I think that that's a lot of what I'm getting um, from discipleship training so I want to encourage you guys who didn't raise your hand to join us it's every Sunday before church it begins at 8 845 all right so like I told you guys like the last time I taught in January um, God gave me that 2018 will be the year of discipleship and he specifically spoke to this house that I'm commanding you to be deliberate and intentional go and make disciples so who has since January it's been exactly three months since I taught who has like been actively seeking actively like going out there trying to find ways to spread the love of God the word of God pray the prayer of salvation with people Amen. Who is from after I talk, who is going to be more diligent and intentional to do this? Okay. Because I think that by the time, the next time I teach, whenever that is, right, we should see some new faces, right? Like that is the goal. We should always be going out there and being a disciple and creating disciples and ministering God's love to the point where pe we're inviting people to church on a regular basis, even if they're strangers. Raise your hand if you've inv invited anyone new to church. So I literally invite random people that I'm just meeting. Like, I'm like, I'm teaching on Sunday. You should come. And, you know, I go to a word-based church. Like, any opportunity I get, I'm trying to just encourage people to come because I know that once you come, you won't be able to leave because it's the word. It's the Holy Spirit that draws. So we just have to be that light so that they can come in. So um, I define deliberate. And I just want to go... I'm going to let God be God, but I want to do a brief, very brief overview so that I can go into today's message. Um, but I define deliberate, which is done purf purposefully, on purpose. So when God said, I'm commanding you to be deliberate, like I'm commanding you to do this on purpose, right? Like we should purposefully go out. Like we should be intentional. We should be actively seeking opportunities to do this. So it's just like if we're believing God for a financial increase, like Lord, you know, specific prayers, receive specific answers. Lord, I'm believing you. I mean, I'm believing that somebody will bless me with a financial seat. I'm believing you that somebody will bless me with $20 on today, right? That's very specific. So as soon as we leave our house, we're going out and we're looking. We waiting for that person to walk up to us and give us that $20, right? Well, it's the same thing. Like we should be actively looking like, okay, God, is this the person that you want me? Is, is this the person that you want me to minister to? Like, I, I think that we should just be enthusiastic and optimistic and excited and energetic about doing God's work, right? Um, and then the second one, he said, I'm commanding you to be deliberate and intentional. The second uh, word that I defined was intentional, which is done with determination. 
Um, showing earnest and eager, which is what I said, like sincere and intense, like wanting to do something very much, like being excited and enthusiastic attention. Um, giving your attention to something firmly and steadfastly fixed on the purpose of something. So like I said earlier, we should be actively looking for opportunities to make disciple and disciples. And when I taught in January, I actually recapped my last sermon from 2017, which was is due season elevation, where I had you guys to go back and I, I wrote do D-U-E in all caps. And then I had you guys go to go back and write D-O like do like it's time for us to do the work so even though we are in this elevated place because this was after our 40 day fast when we was doing like 40 days of saying yes to God 40 days of obedience and you know saying yes before we even knew what it was that he was telling us to do and if you raise your hand if you've ever said yes before he even asked the question that is a place of surrenderance, right? That is the place where we need to live each and every day of our lives, especially when it comes to being a disciple because we don't know what God has in store for us. But Lord, I love you so much that I say yes. Before you say a word, I say yes. Um, so... Um, during this sermon uh, in 2017 is due season elevation. I shared the difference between purpose, mission, and passion. And remember, I spoke that um, your purpose is broad and for us to not be so specific because when we are specific, we put those limitations on God to move. So as again, for this brief recap, purpose is the reason why you were created. So what's your why? I shared with you that I was created to help people. And then mission, which is the second thing that I broke down. The mission is an important task that you are sent to complete. So, and a task is designed as assigned work, right? So what were you specifically sent to this earth assigned to complete? I shared that mine is to help people discover and pursue who they are and, um, and what they were created to do. <laughs> And passion, my favorite word in the whole wide world, passion is the driving force in one's life. It's the thing that keeps you dedicated, motivated, and focused in striving to achieve greatness. And passion is also that which is what you're willing to suffer for, right? So again, I have a passion for Christ. Uh, he's the thing that keeps me dedicated, motivated, and focused. He's the thing that keeps me going. He is what I'm willing to suffer for. Like if he tells me to do it, it doesn't matter how hard or difficult or challenging or what the situations or circumstances may look like. I walk by faith anyway and not by sight. So I am willing to endure and I am willing to persevere to do what it is that God has called me to do. So what is your passion? So following the purpose, mission, and passion breakdown, I shared the importance of knowing what your ministry call is, right? So I know a lot of people in here, like said that some said they did know, some said that they didn't. So I hope that you guys are remaining encouraged and you're continuing to seek God for that answer. You're thanking him in advance. Um, I shared the, that it's very important for you to know what your uh, spiritual office is so that you can further walk in that and you can walk confidently in that. And once you just have the base knowledge, like I'm a prophet, right? But what kind of prophet? Like I went from like God revealing to me that I was a prophet and that was the office that I walked in, walked in to me wanted to know, well, what, what comes with being a prophet? Like what does it actually mean to be a prophet? Because when I when it was first revealed to me, I'm like, man, I'm about to be telling these people their future. And like I'm about to, but that's not always so. Like there are seers. However, there also are prophetic writers and then there's the visions and dreams. So there's so many different types of prophets, right? And then there's different giftings that come from being a prophet. So whether you're an apostle or a teacher or a pastor or an evangelist, like there are different avenues or different gifts that come with you walking in that specific office. So that's why we want to, I want to encourage you guys like to pray and ask God and seek and fast for the confirmation, the revelation and the understanding of what he's created you to do, right? So that we can further do the work and build his kingdom. So the fivefold ministry is found, just write these down, it's found in Ephesians 4, 1 through 12. And that includes apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And in verse 12, it does say, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that is why it is important for us to know. That is why God consistently has me to speak about the importance of knowing. And can, actually, can everybody turn there? Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 12. 
And when you have it, say amen. I ain't hear any amens on this side. Okay. And it says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And I don't know if you guys write in your Bible, but if so, like I want you to write or highlight the word equipping. I want you to write, underline, or highlight the word work. And the last word is edifying, right? Like this is the importance. This is why we need to know what God created us for, right? So then I also share outside of the fivefold ministry, the offices God appoints, appoints other people to, right? Because I told you guys that I thought that you can only be called to the fivefold ministry. Like it has to be in something within that. When I first was, I guess, exposed to spiritual callings and your offices in college. So if we all can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, where it speaks of the other offices that include the office of miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. Like these are other offices that you can be operating in. So just because you may not be an apostle or just because you may not be a prophet doesn't mean that you don't operate in some spiritual calling for, for your life. And, it's, and they are all the same. They are all important. They are all equal. And that's something that I also touched on is that no office, no spiritual calling is higher than the other one. There is one Lord. There is one Holy Spirit that works through us all. So as we are to celebrate, as we are to honor, we are not to glorify or worship one more than the other one. Amen. And that's fine in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 6. I just want you to write that down because, again, this is just overview. So after I gave you guys the breakdown of the purpose, mission, and passion, and then I, personally, that was for you, I then went on to give you the universal purpose, mission, and passion, right? As the believer, as the body of Christ, we all share a collective purpose, mission, and passion. So um, this commandment is found in Matthew 28, and this is the Great Commission that I gave you guys. And this was also our foundational scripture for um, January's teaching. So can everybody turn to Matthew 28, verse number 18? When you have it, say amen. All right. And I'm going to read to verse number 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Amen. So I share that after you believe in your heart and have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior through the prayer of of salvation which is found in Romans 9 no Romans 10 9 and 10 um, you were born again and rec recreated with the purpose to go so our universal purpose which our purpose is the reason why we were created is to go right is to go and make disciples so whether that is God is calling you to lead a Bible study or he's calling you to witness on the street or he's calling you to just hold the door longer for somebody and give them a smile like we're called to go and be vessels and be used by God so we have to be more intentional we have to be more deliberate in doing that like we have we are the light of the world we have to spread the love of God like we, it doesn't matter how we feel. Once we say yes to God and no to our flesh, like if, even if we're feeling down, once we step out of that house, we're on assignment. So that means that we need to put a smile on our face. We need to rebuke whatever is coming, uh, trying to attack us so that we can give glory to God. Yes. So, um, I shared that what a disciple is, right? Because how can we make something if we don't even understand what it is? A disciple is a devoted follower of Jesus. I define devoted as very loving and loyal, right? So if we are loving and loyal, these are the things that we should be exuding. These are characteristics that we that should like come out of us, right? A devoted follower of Jesus is also faithful, is steadfast, immovable, unstoppable, unstoppable, unwavering, dependable. A devoted follower of Christ is constant, committed, affectionate, caring. 
So um, the last definition of devoted is to concentrate on a particular pursuit and a particular pursuit that we're supposed to con uh, concentrate on as disciples is found in our universal mission, which is um, step two, but I'll get to that later. So step one when it comes to making disciples is go, which we defined in Matthew 28, 19. Um, and you guys can't just write that down, but you already wrote down Matthew 28, um, 18 through 20 but in verse 19 it says that Jesus says to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and then I clarified that, that that doesn't mean that we're supposed to be out here water baptizing people and that there are different um, there are several types of baptisms and the word baptize means to immerse right to immerse right so uh, which is when it comes to the water baptism which is why we immerse them dip them in the water and brings them back up um, but this specific baptism that God is talking about is the baptism of salvation which is a spiritual baptism and it's the baptism that saves so this is where we pray the prayer of salvation right so when he's telling us to go and baptize them he's telling us to go and pray the prayer of salvation with them um, so again I just want you guys to turn there like it is a scripture that we all know but I want us to go I want to read it out loud out loud is in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 through 10 because if we're making disciples like if we're actively seeking it's like to seek and save the lost right it's like people that are just out here lost people who don't know God we can literally be sitting next to somebody on a train or have a co-worker who is just the nicest person in the whole world and can be going to hell when they die just because we aren't heated to God or we aren't usable to God or we aren't asking the necessary questions that need to be asked. Do you go to church? That's a good starter. What, ch what church do you go to? That's how I like to start. And then if they say, oh, I'm, I don't go to church. I'm more spiritual than religious. I'm like, oh, good, me too. What does that mean for you? Because I look at when people say religious, they're talking about the church, right? They're talking about the rules and the regulations and the doctrine that come along with the title of a Christian. So when they say I'm more spiritual, oh, me too, girl. What does that mean to you? Because I want to know, does that mean that you're talking about more of a relationship with God? Or are you talking about the whole universe thing? Like, what does spiritual mean to you? you because that can mean anything to anybody so when we are opening up and having this dialogue we can then pinpoint where someone locate I think is the word I think my mom and elder uh, Iva always says like to be able to locate people right of course that comes with discernment but that also comes with asking certain questions so and y'all there yet yes okay in Romans 10, verse 9 through 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we know that before we can create and make disciples we have to be a disciple but before we can even become a disciple we have to welcome Jesus into our hearts and into our lives as our Lord and Savior we have to believe that in our heart but we also have to speak it and confess it with our mouth so once we have that revelation once we have that understanding it's then easier for us to go out and have these conversations with people because sometimes people don't feel comfortable some people don't feel confident in praying a prayer of salvation but it's not one specific prayer right it's, it's not something that has to be super tailored and that you need to read verbatim like it is really just the authenticity of just confessing that you believe that this person who came from heaven stretched out on the cross was beaten bruised died and then he rose again his spirit came back to show us that he is all-powerful that he has conquered the dead and if you have that belief and you're able to confess it then it's done so um, the second thing that I shared share with you guys was that um, in addition to the universal purpose of, to, of going, we share the universal mission. And we know the mission is what we're sent to do is to grow. Because remember, the title of this 2018, the year of discipleship, was Go, Grow, and Glow. So grow is step two. Um, where I said step two when making disciples is grow. So we found that in Matthew 28, 20, where he says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So, to teach is to show, explain, educate, train, or instruct someone how to do something. Sorry. 
And then I broke down the word um, observe, which means obey. So to grow, because that is step two in the go, grow, and glow. To grow is to show, train, instruct, and explain to a believer, a new believer, or even a seasoned believer, right? Because we can always grow. We can always learn more, right? Um, how they are supposed to obey and live God's way. So that's what we're going to be focusing on today. To grow, which is step Two of the go, grow, and glow. To grow is to show, train, instruct, and explain to the believer how they are supposed to obey and live God's way. So that brings us to today's message entitled, Keep My Commandments, God. So um, who in here is believing God for a certain thing? Raise your hand. Whether it's a, some people not believing God for Y'all living a perfect life? Come on, heaven. Amen. So... Whether it's a job, a financial breakthrough, whether it's to receive the understanding of the revelation of what your spiritual calling is, whether it's healing, like whatever it is that you're believing God for on today, I'm going to show you how you can release that thing. Amen. So, um... God specifically spoke to me actually two days ago. So again, remember, I created this in the beginning of April. Like two days ago, while I was just reviewing my, I don't even know if I was reviewing my notes, but I know that he spoke to me and he said, you can't grow without love. So write that down. You can't grow without love. So we know that the first and greatest commandment is found in Matthew 22, verse number 34 through 40. And actually, I'm going to have you guys turn there. So can you turn to Matthew 22? Verse number 34, and when you have it, please say amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to read. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. So we know when God is saying that um, obey my commandments, right? If, if nothing else, we know that one of his, or the greatest, the first and greatest commandment is to love him, right? So we know that we have to love God in order to be obedient, to release that thing that we're believing him for. And then the second one is to love others, right? We got to love our neighbors. So if we are not being loving, if we are not exuding love, if we are not walking in the characteristics of love, then maybe that's why our things are being held up, Amen. So today's foundational scripture is found in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 22. 1 John 3, 22. And it reads, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. I hear some pages turning, so I'm going to tell me what you got to say. Amen. Okay, I'll read it again. First John three twenty two, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So that goes back to the season of elevation where I had you guys to write the word do. So there is something that we have to do in order to receive that thing that we're asking for. Amen. And it's, it's also like any quoted earlier in James two twenty, faith without works is dead. So what is the work that we're called to do? The work that we're specifically called to do is obedience Amen. it's two words listen and obey three words listen and obey listen and obey obedience is the work that we have to do so um, when God spoke the, the words keep my commandments what exactly was he referring to and remember a commandment is a divine rule right and the Bible is filled with divine rules so um, today he is specifically referring to the commandments that's found in 1 John chapter 3 23 so you're already there so we're just going to read verse 23 and it says and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment so to get your release you must one believe and then you must two love so can you guys um, please turn to 1 John chapter 3? Oh, are we there already? 
my bad. Sorry, I, I wrote this uh, scripture twice. All right, so First John chapter 3, verse 23 is exactly what I just read. But step one is to believe. So it says that um, we should believe on him, I mean, on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. So to believe, again, step one in this re um, releasing of what we're believing God for is to believe in Jesus, which comes through receiving salvation, right? So we have already discussed that, right? Um, you can just write down, again, we already have it, Romans 10, 9, and 10. So we know that we have already completed the first step and able to release what we're believing God for. Which brings us to the second step is what we are actually going to be focusing on today, which is to love one another, to love your neighbor. So God gave us the greatest example of love. So can you please turn to John 15? Regular John, not, not one John. John 15, verse 12. When you have it, say amen. Amen. This is my commandment. And remember, a commandment is a divine rule. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay, so, okay, good, God, but how have you loved us? Well, I'm glad you guys asked. Let's go to John chapter 3. Just flip back a few. John 3.16 it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So from the very beginning, when it comes to obeying God and keeping his commandments, we must love others as he loved us. How did God love us? God gave, love gives, then we should too, right? Amen. So um, I wrote that the action of love has its benefits. Love produces fruit. So God sowed a seed, which was Jesus, which produced everlasting life. Our giving is a seed that should also improve the lives of others, right? Because when he sowed Jesus, it gave us life. So when we sow some love, the, these actions, it should be improving other people's lives. So Jesus was our living example, right? So God sent Jesus to be our living example of what love is. So can you guys please turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5? And I'm going to actually read this out of the New Living Translation. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. When you have it, say amen. 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 If your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ, as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So through God's, through God's example, we learned that love gives. And then through Jesus' example, we learned that love serves. Amen. So love is a verb. It always requires an action to do. So when I said that um, 2017, oh yeah, so 2017, God had gave us the prophetic word of present elevation, right? And then the last sermon that I taught of the year was... Um, Elevation or is due season elevation, right? Boom. So we were there in the elevation, and um, that required us to do something. We had to press, right? Press was an acronym for what? I think you already got twenty dollars off of this question. <laughs> oh, come on, Dimitri, what is it? Any? Did you whisper it to her? Oh, okay. Even though she is one of the youth, and that is the name of our um, ministry, um, PRESS was an acronym for pray, resist, effort, seek, and steadfast. So when we did those things, it helped us to walk into the elevation, right? So it didn't matter what situation, circumstance that we went through. We continued to press. We continued to pray at all times. We cont continued to PR. Resist. Y'all better tell me my stuff. <laughs> we, we resisted um, the devil. We resisted temptations. We resisted 
any trials and tribulations and any negativity, we put forth effort, which again goes to the faith without works is dead. We seek, S, the first S is seek, which is seek God first, which comes from Matthew 6, 33. And then the last S, which was steadfast, is was to remain steadfast, right? And then it was through us pressing, we entered into the elevation, but we had to do the work. So it's the same thing with today. If we're in step two, which is go, growth requires work. We have to do the work. We have to be love. We have to exude love. We have to do the actions of love to produce the fruit. So I've given two examples of love, God and then Jesus. So let's define love, right? Because I always like to give the, the example that there's knowledge, then there's understanding, and last is wisdom, right? So we know what the base knowledge of love is. But let's get an understanding now so that we can walk in the wisdom of it. So let's please turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Verses, we're going to start at verse number one, actually. And the subheading of this chapter is the greatest gift. And I found that amazing, right? Love is the greatest gift. First Corinthians 13, verse number one. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Verse number four, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they were they will fit they wait but whether there are prophecies they will fail whether there are tongues they will cease whether there is knowledge it will vanish for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when that which is perfect has come then that which is in part will be done away when i was a child i spoke as a child i understood as a child i thought as a child but when i became a man i put away childish things for now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am, just as I also am known. Now abide, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And I also want to read that in the Message Bible um, because it's real good. It says, if I speak with human elo eloquence and an angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I am nothing but a creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with love, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I do not love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love does not want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of other, others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limits. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is incomplete. But when the complete comes, our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooled like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears up and the sun shines bright we'll see it all then see it all as clearly as God sees us knowing him directly just as he knows us but for right now until that completeness we have three things to do to lead us toward the consummation trust steadily in God 
hope unservingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. So I broke down love, right? And I want you guys to write this down. It says that um, the first one is love suffers long, which, which is patient, right? So patient is defined as, or suffers long, or patient is defined as um, having and showing patience in spite of troubles or hardship. And then in parentheses I wrote, especially caused by other people. Just got to put it in there. <laughs> Having and showing patience in spite of troubles or hardship, especially caused by other people. And suffers long or patient is um, also defined as able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. And media, um, I just want, can somebody give me a heads up if, when the time is up because the camera is blocking the timer. Thank you. All right, the second uh, word, love is kind. So kind is defined as doing good and bringing happiness to others. Kind is also defined as considerate, friendly, generous, helpful, and gentle. Kind is doing good and bringing happiness to others. It says love does not envy. So envy is desire to have a quality, possession, attribute, or characteristic of another person. So you do not desire to have a quality, position, attribute, or characteristic of another person. Envy is also defined as longing for something someone else has. Does not parade itself. One word to define that is boast. Another one word is brag. A longer definition of does not parade itself is talk with excessive pride and self-satisfaction. About one's achievements, possessions, or ability. So you're not going around super prideful, right? Always talking about what you got, what you did. Um, does not parade itself. Having or revealing an exaggerated sense of one's own importance or abilities. I was about to give y'all an example, but it's okay. Is not puffed up. Puffed up is to be like proud or arrogant, right? Having, proceeding from, or showing a high opinion of one's own dignity, importance, or superiority. And, and that's just like, normally if you're there, you don't have to talk about you being there, right? It's just like rich people. The richest people in the world, they're not out here wearing all of the name brands. They, they actually out here wearing like $10 Kmart pants. <laughs> like they know how to keep their money, right? Is not provoked. Provoked is just like, it's just, what is that is saying? It's like, is not easily angered. So, oh, that's so funny. Come on, Holy Spirit. So um, the last thing I was teaching to the young adults um, is the title of the message was Two Ears, One Mouth, right? And what I was basically imparting into them is just like how we had, our foundational scripture was like, um, be slow to wrath, wait, be sl sl swift to lift, Swift to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That's the scripture. Amen. Um, but what I was saying to them is like, you know, we can't be so quick to respond. And we can't listen only to respond, but we have to listen to understand. We have to take a step back and die to our flesh, like, and actually get out of our own way to see what it is that someone else may be going through or why they're acting the way that they're acting. And even if they have validity in what they're doing, we don't have to react, right? We can respond with the word of God, or we can go tell our dad, like, okay, God, this is what's happening. Or you see what's happening, but like, help me not to take care of this in my own. Like, right, I need you to step in. So when anybody is doing anything that is just not pleasing or doesn't feel good or is offensive, we don't always have to take it up with them. 
We don't always have to say anything. We don't always have to respond. We can take this to God and ask God to intervene because he said vengeance is mine. So when we decide to step in and try to do things our way, then we basically put up, we put a stop like, okay, God, well, I didn't took care of it. So, you know, we're good. But what you didn't did, you didn't stop God. What God can do is so much greater, right? He said, I will make your enemies your footstool, Right. He will bless you like they will be at the table. They will get to see what he has presented and what he has done. But that's only if you keep him at the head. That's only if you keep him at the center of your life. If you seek him first and stop seeking to respond or stop operating in the flesh or stop feeling like you have to be your mouthpiece. You don't. You don't have to defend yourself. So whatever is going on, whatever trials and tribulations, whatever somebody has said to you, whatever offense has come upon you, don't worry. You don't have to fight that battle. When I taught this sermon, quiet is a ministry, God's actions speak louder than your words. Amen. Does not behave rudely, offensive, inconsiderate, bad-mannered, insulting, unpleasant, and unfriendly. Does not seek its own, which means just lacking consideration for other people. When you're seeking your own, you're more me-focused than God-focused. Selfish, concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure, and you're being self-centered. It says, is not provoked, not easily angered. So that requires a level of patience, right? Because we all have triggers. You know what your triggers are. Something I was saying to one of my mentees yesterday, actually, is that um, in Jonathan McReynolds' song, Cycles, he said, like, the devil learns from your mistakes, right? Even if you don't, the devil knows what your weaknesses are. The devil knows what your mistakes are, right? So he's going to continue to tempt you and test you with those things until they're no longer something that easily provokes you, until they're, they're no longer something that easily trigger, that triggers you, right? That just knocks you out knocks you out of the spirit and into your flesh like you you know what that thing is and I'll be totally transparent so one of the things with me that God is working on me with is being more patient when it comes to I don't want to say the people in my household but yeah sorry mama <laughs> but, the, but the real thing no nah, I gotta be honest right so the real thing is um like I love my mama I love my brother like God brought them here I don't know what that says okay how many Three minutes? I'm going to go over a little bit. Amen? Okay. But so one of the things that um, my mom and brother used to do until we had a talk about two weeks ago was <laughs> they would go in my room. They got laughing. They would go in my room without, like, asking or anything. And I don't know what it is about. Like, I guess it was different because, of course, she's my mom, right? So she when we were living in St. Louis, I was living in her house. So she can do as she pleased up in her house because she was paying the bills. But now that we're in New York, it's like our house and like we're a team, right? And we're working together. And I've been living on my own since I was 22. And it, even then in college for four years, I always had my own room. So I just always, I just created this level of privacy, I guess. I don't know. Well, they will come in my room and just do what they want to do. Like, and I will always notice, like, who been in my room? Where is my remote control? Who ate my Snickers? Like, I would be so, like, I would be so mad. And I, um, this one time, or a few weeks ago, which brought us to the conversation, is um, my candy. I hid some candy. <laughs> ah! Okay, well, look, I buy candy for my events or something, right? So it's not my candy, it's my business candy. And so I know my brother, right? You know your family members. So if it's in the refrigerator, it's good, it's gone. You can write your name on it, you can say, do not touch. My brother is going to eat it. Like, if he's hungry and it's there, he's going to eat it. Like, he's not going to think, like, hmm, let me text Sandra and see if I can have this. He's going to be like, hmm, I'm going to eat this. Like, that's just how he is. Well, I knew that. So I put the candy in my room in the back of my closet. <laughs> he had to be searching for this candy, y'all. Like, he literally had to, I guess he was like, man, I'm hungry, I want something sweet. Like, I don't know what was in his mind, but he went in my room, in my closet, to the back of my closet to find this candy. 
Well, he didn't do a good job because usually it will take me a while to find if notice if something is out of place. He ripped the bag. I guess he was. <laughs> I don't know if the spirit scared him or what, but the entire bag ripped. So he couldn't even like not lie, but he couldn't even say that he didn't do it. But you would think that he would just stop and be like, oh, I'm not touching. I'm scared. No, he still ate the candy. Like he still did it. So I, I came out. I said, Chris, did you eat my candy? He said, what? So I'm like, Chris, did you eat my candy? He was like, no. Okay. So I go to my mom, because I'm trying this new thing of being patient and not just accusing, right? So I go to my mom, mom, did you eat my candy? She's like, no. I'm like, somebody ate my candy? <laughs> like, I just got so mad. But I'm like, okay, I can't. Well, this is what, that was my action in my mind. Like, ah, just turning up. But on the outside, I say, Okay, so I go back into my room. I shut my door so I can calm down because I'm trying this love thing, right? So I went in there and I grabbed the bag and there, there was really just no, no way to say that nobody ate this candy. So I took the evidence, because evidence, I took the evidence to my brother <laughs> and I said, so Chris, you ain't eat this candy? What? I said no. I'm like, oh my God. So I'm like, now I'm mad. I'm like, okay. But I didn't say anything, right? So I put, I went in my room and I shut the door. But I wasn't done being mad. People needed to know that I was mad. So I opened the door back. I'm like, ah! And then I shut the door. I tried to slam it, but it was like a coat in the middle. So it went slam. I'm like, <laughs> so now I'm pacing. I'm in my room pacing like, oh man, God, see, this is what I was just on Amazon. And I was looking, I was looking for a lock that I could lock my outside of my door with because I'm tired of coming to my stuff gone. And then I, I was like, hmm. You know they out there and they chilling. They they watching TV. The candy gone. You up in here mad. You pacing. You angry. You looking up stuff on Amazon, seeing how you can spend your money to like lock your door. You the only one that's losing in this situation right now. I said. All right, God. Got on my hands and knees, and I just started praying, right? I had to die to that flesh because it was, I mean, obviously a lot of things have been happening for me to feel like I need to open up my door and do this like super deep side so that they can know that I was feeling some type of way. Like, but nevertheless, like it had just got, got to this point where I was just like, I'm the only person that's losing with this anger. Me having this unforgiveness, me holding on to this grudge, it is not doing anything to anybody but me. I'm blocking my own blessings. I'm hurting myself. I, I am literally in here distracted. Can I, I'm pacing my floor. Like I'm literally walking, walking back and forth and they are chilling, right? That is the same thing that happens when you harbor unforgiveness, right? When you harbor anger, you're the only person that's losing. You're not gonna win from that situation. So instead of me, I could have kept going to my mama, like, mama, we need to talk to Chris. He just over here eating everything he wanna eat. Like, I can just talk to God, and then God will give me the instruction on when to bring it up, if to bring it up. God will change Chris's heart, or even how to bring it up, right? So after everything happened, a few days later, I think, Something else came up missing out of my room, probably like my remote control or something, and I just couldn't take it no more. But it was the perfect timing then. So I went to my mom, and I was like, Mom, we need to have a family meeting. And so I went to go get my brother. He came out. We all sat down in the living room. We discussed everything. I shared how I felt. Like, I felt like I don't have privacy. I feel like, you know, when it comes to anything that they have, like, I don't go in their room without asking. If there's anything in the refrigerator that is of theirs that I want, I text them or I ask first. Like, I just want the same thing in return. But just think about it. The conversation totally was different. Chris apologized. He reimbursing stuff. I I haven't got it yet, but I'm believing God for the, I'm believing God for the re, the release of my reimbursement. And I'm saying all of this to say, like, you know, I humbled myself and I died to my flesh and I sought after God, right? And there could have I could have continued to act out. I could have continued to try to yell. That would not have caused any added to any peace or unity in my household, right? The thing that we're praying for, the thing that we're actively, you know. We, we pray for this thing. We're acting on this thing. We're talking about being patient and being on one accord and unity and peace and exuding love. And then I'm turning up, right? The person who being pool pissed is like, ah, just like yelling, turning to the Hulk. So it's the same thing with you. Like what God, 
It don't matter what these people do to you, what they steal from you, what they say to you, how they make you feel. You take that second before you respond or react to them in your flesh and you submit that flesh unto God with that situation and then he will give you the appointed time to, if you're supposed to, approach them. And then th I had a mediator. I said, Mom, we need to have a family meeting, right? Because if me and Chris would have took this into our own hands, I mean, we're siblings. Who knows how that would have added up? He could have just walked in his room and not talked to me, right? But my mom was there as the mediator. Where if we do things in God's timing, he will be the mediator who will be there, right? And we don't have to do things in our own strength or on our own accord. So I'm out of, super out of time. Didn't get through half of my message, but I do want to give you guys the prophetic word that God has given to me, right? Because it's time for us to put power back into the altar. So God, over this last week, again, I received this word at the beginning of April. Over this last week, God, I guess, opened my eyes and allowed me to see things that I didn't know, right? Or didn't have an understanding of. And what he allowed me to see was that a lot of people in this house are hurting, right? And something that Ty Tribute says in one of his songs, um, he says, some of us have been bruised right in the church. And then he says, remember not to put your trust in man. Only God alone can understand, right? So I don't know the situations or the circumstances. I don't want to know, right? But I know that God knows. So whatever it is that has happened to you, whatever it is that was said to you or about you, God knows, God sees, God will handle it. You cast that to him and you stop trying to take it into your own hands. When I said that there is power back at the altar, some of us are the people that have been doing the hurt, right? Some of us have been receiving the hurt. Some of us don't even know if we're, like, whether it is, like, you can be doing things and not even know that it's offensive, right? We don't even, sometimes we don't even know that we're hurting people. And whether it's in the church or at your job or at school, like, we have to be accountable for our actions. We have to be accountable whether we're walking in love or not. So when I say that it's time for us to gain the power back at the altar, it's time for us to lay things at God's feet. Like, this should be, this is a place of freedom. This is a place of worship. We should not feel like, okay, I can't cry or I can't go to the altar and kneel without somebody thinking, no, you need to be free. If you need to run around this place to get your freedom, then you do it. It doesn't matter what people are saying, what people, it doesn't, none of that matters. God is tired, he's tired of you worrying about what other people got to say or what they're thinking about. So you need to just like, let God be God, be free. I, I just keep hearing that right now in my spirit, like just be free, be free, be free, be free to worship, be free to cry, be free to run. I don't know if y'all when I think Elder Ivor, or I don't know who, but the reason we have this aisle now when we're in the other sanctuary, um, I think Ian told me was because they just wanted to, people to feel open if they wanted to go to the altar and worship, right? One of my favorite places of worship, one of my favorite churches was my church at school because I was free there. You know, they, of course we had structure, right? But we was free to let the Holy Spirit flow. So if we went over the time, we went over the time. Not that we went all day, right? But they just let the Spirit flow. They were structured enough, but heated enough to let God be God. And it was to the point where I was wearing, I mean, in, in college I wore heels every day. But like we would get super dressed up and we would have our heels on and I kid you not, we would all be sitting in the front row, first two rows. We was like excited to come to church. Like we was excited to be able to worship. We were excited to receive a word from God. We weren't forced. We didn't feel obligated. We were free and we wanted to feel that freedom. We wanted to experience God's presence every single Sunday. It was like a revival every single Sunday. When I say we would come in, we would sit down and take off our shoes and go straight to the altar. I never was thrown in the spirit, like laid out, right? Not because I'm acting or because somebody laid their hands on me, but because God's presence and his glory was so powerful in that place that it came down and all of us would be on the we would literally be either be on our knees in worship or laid out prostrate. Like we just, we couldn't, we couldn't do nothing because it was just so powerful and strong in that place. That's what God wants here. That's what God, it was no empty seats at that church. It was a multicultural church. It was, it was a loving filled church. I almost said this person name. Somebody in my family who doesn't go to church regularly came to that church because of my graduation and I got baptized. I wanted to get baptized before I moved or before I did anything. Before I left this place, I wanted to get baptized in this place. They came to, somebody in my family came to the church and said that is the best church that they've ever been to. 
And when I say it's somebody in my, it's an old person in my family, like 80 plus. So, mama, but it's like 80 plus. Like, she came to this place and was like, if I had to go to a church, that'd be the church I want to go to. I don't like none of them other churches you and your mom be going to, but that church, I like that church. Them people was just so nice. They was just so loving. And she felt free, right? I remember the first sermon that I was up here teaching to y'all. I was crying, right? Because I felt unworthy and unqualified and who am I? And I talked about the different things that I went through and how um, even when I wanted to leave like or wanted to give up, y'all was just such a loving church like, and that y'all kept me here. Y'all never know what people are going through. We need to get back to that place of love that where people are excited to come here and be free, where people feel open to be able to come to this altar and... St- a few a months ago, when it first happened, I remember talking to Ian. He was like, yes, yeah, so people can go to the altar and worship now if they want to. He, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the one. He said, it's only going to take one, and then people are going to start following. I was like, well, I'm going to do it. Well, then I never did it. But then one day, I needed God. I needed forgiveness. I needed healing, and I needed to be whole. And I didn't care what nobody thought. I did not care. I walked my tail to the altar and I got on my knees in front of everybody. And I said, Lord, I need you. Lord, you heal me. Lord, you forgive me. Lord, you strengthen me, right? We need to get back to that place where we are at the altar and we are surrendering our flesh for his will in our life. So let's get back to the place of freedom, right? Let's get back to the place of love where we just experience God's presence and we experience his joy and we experience being him. Like literally, we're made in his image. He dwells inside of us. There is no reason why anybody in this place should be hurt except to come and get whole. The church is just like a hospital, right? So we have to be that light. We have to be that love and we have to do things genuinely and not of necessity or obligation. So I'm going to give you guys the prophetic word. I am going to then open the floor. I'm going to have the media ministry play whatever song they have um, back there. And we're going to open up the altar for you to just lay it. For you not to care about what anybody has to say or what anybody thinks, but for you to spend a moment with God. For you to reconnect with God. For you to receive your healing, your restoration, and a word from God so that you can move forward whole and really be used as a vessel to grow. That by the next time I'm at this church, all these seats full. Not because of anything I've said, but because of everything you've done in obedience to God. So, in January, January 28th, God said, the prophetic word he gave to this house is, in 2018, no longer is the season of me, but we. This is the year, 2018, of divine and strategic connections. You will not be able to go or grow higher alone. It's time for us to grow. In 2017, I reminded you to be people-focused, to be caring, compassionate, and patient. In 2018, it's time for you to go and grow. Plant those seeds. It's time for you to pour. Be deliberate. Be intentional. Do not forsake the assembling together. Go and make disciples. So that's what the Spirit spoke on January 28th. Today, he's speaking, you can't grow without love. It's time to shift from the old way of doing things. I am doing a new thing. If you've been wondering and questioning why you haven't seen the manifestation of your prayers, check your heart. Are you holding on to any of forgiveness? What about your actions? Have you been operating in love? It's time for you to get back to the power of kneeling at the altar. It doesn't matter what people think. That's what's wrong with us now. There's too much gossiping and talking about people and not enough praying for people. Stop with the judging. No longer can you revert to the old way of doing things. I'm calling you higher. It's time for you to step up and be the man and woman of God I've called you to be. Stop blocking your own blessings. Close your mouth and open your heart. Thus says the Spirit of God. So, your church family, right, your family, I don't know if you ever heard this quote, like your family is chosen for you, your friends are chosen by you. So your church family is chosen for you, right? Because once we become friends of God, God chooses his friends, right? So your, your church family is chosen for you, but they're chosen by God. 
So when you have that revelation and you have the understanding that each and every individual in this place is hand selected by God and that these people within this building are friends of God and we know that friendship is a covenant relationship and in friendship you have certain access. So right, Sherelle is my friend. Sherelle knows that she can go, she has the code to my cell phone. She can go in my purse without asking. If I walk in on her and she's getting something out of my purse, I won't think anything of it because she has certain access because I trust her because she's my friend, right? She, She has certain access access that maybe some members in my family don't have. People in this church are God's friends. I don't play when it comes to my friends. Yo, you're not about to talk about Sherelle in my presence. Like, you're not going to disrespect her. You're not going to offend her. You're, you're just not. I love this girl. This is my friend. God looks at each and every individual in here like, you're not about to talk about my friend. You're not, you're not about to offend my friend. You are not about to harm my friend. So if we look at each and every individual in this church or in the body of Christ as God's friends, then we need to deal with them a little bit differently, right? So again, I'm going to have the media team put on whatever song the Spirit leads. And if you feel led, if this minister to you, Come to the altar and let God be God in your life. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor right in Herald Square thanks again for listening and remember walk by faith not by sight